Hi there, and welcome to the Bold Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Rawlings. We are pleased that you decided to tune in today and listen as we learn more about the Gospel of Mark. Before we begin, we would love for you to check out our website, www.theboldmovement.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you've not heard last week's episode or any prior to that, we highly recommend you go back and check those out so that this week's lesson will be heard in the correct context. Without further delay, let's finish Mark chapter 1. All right, we are so excited that you guys tuned back in. And like we said just a minute ago, if you haven't heard anything up until now, please go back and listen to the introduction and the first couple episodes about Mark chapter 1. It's really going to help put all of this into perspective, and the context is going to make so much more sense whenever you hear that information. Let's just go ahead and um, dive on in and kind of talk about the rest of Mark chapter 1. I know that I keep saying this, but I just think it's so important. The entire book of Mark has two purposes. One, to explain who Jesus is, and two, to explain what it means to be a disciple. Last week, we talked about the cost of following Christ and what that looked like for Simon, Andrew, James, John, and even us today. This week, we're going to learn a little bit more about Jesus and what he was trying to say by his actions. Mark and his gospel is very different from the other three in the sense that he focuses a lot on what Jesus did opposed to what Jesus said. And this helps us interpret because actions do speak louder than words. Let's just go ahead and dive right on in and start reading. If you have your Bible, please turn to Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be starting in verse 21. If you don't, don't worry, I will read it to you. And they went into Capernaum. Now, if you remember, he had just um, called these four disciples to come and follow him on the Sea of Galilee. These men were fishermen. And if you look at a map of the Sea of Galilee during this time, you'll see that Capernaum is right off of the Sea of Galilee. So they're just at another little section of the Sea of Galilee. And immediately on the Sabbath, and this is important. We'll, we'll explain why this is important in, in a few minutes. He entered the synagogue and was teaching, and they were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as a scribe. It's important to understand what a scribe is before we explain why it's important that he was teaching as one with authority and not a scribe. So, a scribe was someone who studied the what others taught about the Bible. They were sometimes seen as great scholars, and similar to today, we would compare them to um, like a theologian, let's say. And for Jesus to speak as one who had authority um, and not as a scribe meant he was not quoting men from the past who wrote about the laws and how they were to be carried out, but rather spoke directly and only quoted scripture. He did not meet the typical traditions that the Jewish audience here would have been familiar with. And that's why it was so important and so just like mind-blowing that he was speaking as one with authority because they just didn't do that similar to today. Sometimes we get carried away and lost with quoting theologians and scholars more than we actually quote scripture. And Jesus is like, hey, get back at it. All right, let's continue on. 
And immediately, and if you guys remember last week, I mentioned how Mark says immediately a lot. You're going to hear that a lot throughout the rest of chapter one. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And this is talking about like a demon possession, just to be clear. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately, there it is again, he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left, and she began to serve them. Now, we're getting ready to learn here about the Sabbath, so just I want to be a little clear. The Sabbath for the Jews was on Saturday, and it started from sunup to sundown, and we'll go over that a little bit here in a minute as well. But the Sabbath for them was absolutely sacred. You didn't do anything on the Sabbath. They would not even cook bread. They would have everything done the day before because they took the rest so literally and to such an extreme that oftentimes we will learn that they wouldn't even travel to uh, large distances. There was a certain amount of steps that they were allotted within a day. This is not from scripture. Um, this is what we call legalism. And this is where people take rules and laws from scripture and add parameters around it so that you basically don't tiptoe that line so that it, it, it tries to help you stay away from sin. That is not justification. It's an explanation. Legalism is very, very bad. God gave us rules because he loves us and he's trying to protect us, not because he wants us to be miserable human beings, okay? So they do take it to an extreme. And so, um, well, I'll just read it and then we'll go on from there. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed and oppressed by demons. Now, remember what I just said. All of this is happening on the Sabbath. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he went to Simon's mother-in-law's house on the Sabbath. And like I said, the Sabbath for Jews is from sunup to sundown. So, noting that this is sundown, the Sabbath is over so that means people are now allowed to move about. They're allowed to travel those long distances without breaking what they think is the Lord's command. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. So all these people just show up to, you know, this mother-in-law's house. I just, I don't know. I try to put myself in their shoes. I just think that'd be crazy. And he healed many who were sick in various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. I know what you're thinking. Why does it matter that the demons knew who Jesus was and why wasn't he letting them speak? Well, something we need to discuss here. Jesus was not ready to be known as the Messiah yet, okay? We have to remember that everyone was waiting for the Messiah to come. And last week I mentioned that they had what, what my husband calls Messiah fever. And they weren't 
he wasn't really exactly ready for the truth to come out, okay? Let me explain. They expected the Messiah to be a military leader who was going to rise up and lead them into a rebellion so that they could receive political freedom and fight the grip Rome had on Israel. So they wanted someone to come in and fight, like physically fight for their right. Um, Not to party though, just to be free. (laughs) We also see this in John chapter six, verse 15. And it says, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. He was not ready for that yet because he, he was still trying to do his ministry and he was still trying to introduce people to the purpose of him being here and he really wanted people to understand the kingdom of God is near it's it's here and it's getting ready to come let's move on And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to the desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. I love the fact that Jesus rose up very early in the morning. It's still dark out. And I, when I get ready for work, it's still dark out. And he went out by himself to an area where nobody was. And he just prayed and spent time with God. And I think that's a great example of what we're supposed to be doing with our time. This is totally just my opinion. I, I don't really have scriptural evidence for this, but... The Bible does talk about um, tithing and offering and how that needs to be your first fruits, like your best. And so whenever you tithe, you're supposed to give when you get paid the first 10%. That should be your first thing you do with your tithing is give it to God um, out of honor and respect and obedience to who he is. And I wonder, I was thinking about this the other day. I wonder what if we did that with our time as an offering? What if we gave the first 10% of our time? And if you factor in, obviously, sleep and all of that, um, 10% of, let's say, 12 hours, because, uh, well, that'd be a lot of sleeping, wouldn't it? Mm, Let's just say 12 hours, just for the sake of math. If you just give your best 10% of 12 hours, that's roughly an hour and a half of your time, okay? That's it. So how hard would it be to just spend an hour and a half in prayer and Bible study and learning more about who God is? I just think something like that would be something neat to start. And and I think, you know, here showing Jesus rising very early in the morning and doing that. What if I did that? What if I rose early and gave an hour and a half to God or even just, you know, 45 minutes in the morning and 45 minutes before I went to bed? Just something to think about. But biblical literacy is absolutely out of hand. I cannot preach that enough. So absolutely read your Bible so you know what you're talking about. Okay, let's keep going. Sorry, I got off on a tyrant. Uh, Not a tyrant. Sorry. A uh, rabbit hole. And the leper came to to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be be clean. (laughs) I will 
be clean. There you go. Like he was commanding him to be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly changed him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Okay, a couple things. One, just so we all understand leprosy, even though there is still leprosy today, this is more of an ancient kind of uh, disease and it's caused by a bacteria and what it does is the bacteria affects your skin and it can deform you and it also affects your nerve endings so you no longer have sensations like you no longer feel when you scratch your leg let's say and it also gives kind of like a pins and needles sensation within your body and so um, you might get an infection because you're cut and you don't realize you're cut and um, stuff can get into that it also does can deform you you can lose extremities I mean there's like a whole thing to it there was no cure at the time for this today they'll just stick you on some steroids and antibiotics and um for a little while for uh probably I think I read like a month and then you're good to go but then at this time there was no cure so basically um it was a disease that made you unclean and that meant you had to live outside of the city gates if you lived outside of the city you couldn't work um, you couldn't provide for yourself it's not like you had a lot of friends if your family wanted to help feed you or see you they would go outside of the city um, give you your stuff but this was something that is contagious um, although you do have to do extended periods of time with um, droplet kind of exchanges, so like saliva or blood. Um, there just wasn't a lot known about it then. So they just, you know, you just wanted to avoid those people. So anytime a leper came into town to do something which was really unheard of, they would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that others could kind of like scare away um, so that they weren't exposed to the leprosy. This kind of disease can really take an effect on your life in case I haven't made that clear. So for someone to be cured of leprosy was a huge deal. That means like not not just were you um, healed physically, but you're also healed in the sense that you get to be like a normal human being again. And Jesus did this for this man, and he told him, do not say anything. Just do what you're supposed to do. Go, um, now that you're clean, go see the priests and do what Moses commanded in the Old Testament for proof to them. However, he went out and he just freely talked about it, guys. You know, I'm clean and he spread the news and it got so crazy that Jesus couldn't even enter a town because people were going out and meeting him in desolate places. Here we go again, right? Same problem, different day. I want all of you to really get this, okay? Jesus did not come to lead a rebellion, he did not come to be the Messiah that the Jews thought he was. He came to show them what the kingdom of God looked like, okay? Let's look back at just the end of chapter 1. He was healing the sick. He was kicking out the demons. What was he trying to say that? He was trying to show them that in the kingdom of God to come, 
there will be no sickness, and there will be no evil. Sometimes it is really hard to see what God is trying to do when you are too distracted by what you want him to do. So I want you guys to be in prayer that God can show you exactly what he wants you to see through his actions, through his word. And I want you to kind of drop your presuppositions and just accept exactly what God had intended for you to have. Guys, that's all I have for you today. I hope you tune back in next week as we begin chapter two of Mark. Ladies, remember, go out and be bold. 